Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Let me say good morning to those watching online. In 1998, 22 years ago, let's soak that in for a second. 22 years ago, I saw this thing on social media where someone said 1990 is as far away as 2050 is. Let that marinate, everybody. Yeah, we getting old. But anyways, in 1998, one of the best movies of all time was made. And I'm about to tell you the name of that movie, and you might disagree with me, but I want you to know that you are wrong. And the name of that movie was Saving Private Ryan. It's, yeah, thank you, I got an amen. All is good now. All right. It starred Tom Hanks and Matt Damon. And Saving Private Ryan is a story about Captain Miller who gets charged with going to find Private Ryan. And the reason they're on this journey to find Private Ryan, who is played by Matt Damon, is because the mother of Private Ryan has lost all her sons on the battlefield. And so Captain Miller, who's played by Tom Hanks, are on this journey to go and rescue and bring him back home. We're about to watch a scene here in just a moment. And the scene is this. Captain Miller and his company, they go, they find him. They're in the midst of this battle. And Captain Miller is wounded and he's going to eventually lose his life. And he gives this charge to Private Ryan. And then in the later scene, we're going to see... Private Ryan wrestling with the fact if he really lived up to the charge that Captain Miller gave him. So check out this scene and we'll watch together. Earn this. Earn this. Private Ryan spends the rest of his life from that moment trying to earn the price and the cost of his life. He's trying to earn it. He is trying to through his works, through his deeds, through his actions. He is trying to make sure that what happened on his behalf was earned. He wants to make himself just. He wants to make himself right. And I love the picture it gives because that's the story of all of us. And all of us, we want to make ourselves right and just. And when I say just, I mean made right. When I say justified, I mean now approved, now being really credited, being right and good based on what we have done. But we spend our lives trying to do that. But there is some bad news, everybody. We are not in a position to justify ourselves. Now, for some of us, we want to kind of buck up against that. You'll be like, Nick, you don't know me. Well, here's the deal. I don't have to know you because I know me. And you are not in the position to pay the debt that is owed. But here is some good news. Y'all ready for some good news? Good news is this. The one who is in position to justify us has justified us. The one who could pay the debt, the one who was able to, has done it through the completed work of Jesus. And over the next few moments... 
We're going to read through Romans 5 because Paul is encouraging the church in Rome that, hey, let me tell you what the gospel has done. It has made you right. It has made you just, not based on what you have done, but based on the price that was paid by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords through his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection over the grave. The price has been paid on your behalf. And for some of us, it's hard for us to accept this thing of grace. But my prayer for us is this. Maybe for you, this is the first time you've heard about this grace, and maybe today is the day where you finally say yes to it. Or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while, but yet your life is not reflecting the fact that you have been justified. I pray that we all will take the very best next step. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you have done and for who you are. Thank you that you have met us right where we are and you have changed the narrative. So Jesus, over the next few moments as we dive into your word, may our hearts be open and our posture be one of surrender. Lord, I pray that you will speak to our hearts and we know that your word will not return void. So may we lean in and may we listen and may we be different in light of it. We thank you, we love you, and we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name, amen. Last week, we began on this journey through Romans. We began in chapter 1, and Brady talked about how a life crumbles. And the way a life crumbles is by suppressing the truth and by looking through binoculars instead of looking at a mirror. And we began this conversation on Romans, and we will continue this conversation on Romans. And hopefully, you have been joining us in reading along weekly. You've been listening to the podcasts that are thrown out there Monday through Friday, and that you've been on this journey for us. And here's the deal. We don't want you reading Romans to check something off of a list. We want you reading Romans because reading God's Word changes you when applied. So that's the goal. And so Romans 5 is going to bring us to Paul addressing something that we still deal with in 2020 as they dealt with at this early church. So let's dive into Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. Therefore, let's pause right here. Y'all like, Nick, you got one word in and you pause it. I need you to breathe, everybody. Therefore, I used to hear all the time, and maybe you've heard it for the first time today, like whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, you have to see what it's there for. Some of y'all have heard that? What the therefore is there for in this part of Scripture is before, in the end of chapter 4, it's talking about the completed work of Jesus on the cross, that he paid the price for our sins so that we may be reconciled to him through his payment on the cross and his resurrection of the grave. So it says, therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through what Jesus has done. What peace means, think of it as being in wartime. And there are two opposing sides. We're on one side and God's on the other side. And we've been fighting, we've been doing it our own way, we've been struggling, and eventually we see that the other side is going to be victorious. And so we wave our white flag and go, you know what, we surrender. And when you surrender, you're saying to the other party, your ways are going to be the ways that I follow. I am laying down my will for a better will. And in wartime, that could be to a dictator or someone who is lesser than, but for us, the good news is it's a good king. 
who loves us and has what is best for us. So when we lay down our white flag and surrendering our ways, we get to pick up a better way, everybody. And so through what Jesus has done, we have peace with God through what Jesus has done. Verse number two. Through whom we have gained, talking about Jesus, access by faith and to the grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So through what Jesus has did, his perfect life lived, his perfect sacrifice surrendered, and his perfect resurrection over the grave, we have been made justified. What does that mean? We are just as if we have never sinned. Y'all pause for right there. That means you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. You who probably made a mistake this morning in the car when the car in the parking lot cut you off, you said a mean word. Yes, you. Through what Jesus has done, through his completed work, it's as if you have never sinned through the price that was paid on your behalf. It's as just you have always obeyed. Again, you and me who are rebels, who want to do it our own way. Because of what Jesus has done, it's as if we have always said yes to Jesus and always stepped into the next step of obedience that he has invited us to. So it's as if we had never sinned or always obeyed. That is what the payment on the cross has done for you and I. Through what Jesus has done, it has made just. He was in a position to pay the price that we could not pay. I was talking to Daniel. He leads us in worship on a regular basis. And he was telling me of a story about when him and his wife got married, and he was going out to dinner with his in-laws. And he was excited about it because he was going to pay. Fellas, y'all know what that's like. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to show you that I'm able. I'm going to show you that I got enough money in the bank to pay for your daughter and for y'all. Check this out. Some of the ladies in the room like, that is so dysfunctional. It is, but anyways. <laughs> so he was telling me the story. He was really excited, and he probably was going to put the dinner on a credit card that he would pay for later because he really wasn't able. Anyways, that's a whole other story. <laughs> and so you know how the check comes, and it's like a race? Or sometimes it's like you fake that you're going to pay to see if they're going to pay. Anyway, that's a whole other story, too. And so he got the check, and he paid for it. And he said that his father-in-law came up to him and said, don't you ever do that again. And Daniel's like, what you mean? I'm a man. Oh. And his father-in-law said this, and I think it's so profound. He said, I want you to understand that I'm in a better position to pay this debt than you are. And you hear that and you go, okay, think about it. Because honestly, Daniel at the time, when you first get married, most of us don't have a lot of money. Can I get an amen? You're like, listen, Beanie weenies and some water, praise the lamb. <laughs> and so he honestly probably went into debt because he wasn't in the position to pay. But his father-in-law was more established. He was able to pay the debt. He was in a better position to pay the price that was needed. And the same is true for us. We can't pay for our debt. If we try to write the check to cover our debt, it will bounce everybody. Some of y'all in here just went, what is a check and why is it bouncy? I'll explain that later. <laughs> but he is in a better position to pay the debt. Why? Because his funds are unending and he has more than enough. But we are not in a position to pay the debt that sin has cost us. Verse number three. Not only so... 
But we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Let's pause right here for a second. I love the inner dialogue that Paul is having on his paper. He's like, you know, rarely will anyone die for an unrighteous person, but maybe for a righteous person, someone might die. But still, even then, it's a stretch, and we don't know. And so he's having this inner dialogue outside his head. I love it, y'all. The reason I love it is it just shows me that Paul is real. Like, it's like his mind is being blown as he is sharing and writing this letter to the church at Rome. And he's going, man, it is so crazy that this life was given on our behalf because it just doesn't make any sense. And then he's about to have a mic drop moment in verse number eight. Lean in. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We could stop right here and say amen and go praise the Lamb. We're not, but we could. This is so profound. This is a verse that I've heard a lot of my life. And I go, oh, that's so sweet. Well, yeah, that was a sinner. You died for me. Y'all, this is profound. This is like concentrated gospel right here. Here's why this is such a big deal. Let's break it down. Because while you were not chasing after God, looking for God, doing your own thing, living your own way, chasing after whatever it is you wanted to chase after, what did God do? He sent his perfect son out of glory to go chase you down, live a life that you could not live. He surrendered his perfect life on the cross, and he was crucified by his very own creation, but yet he laid down his will so he could win what was lost back. And then three days later, when everyone had left, when everyone thought the story was over, he said, hello, I'm back. The grave has no power. And now you get to spend eternity with me because I paid the price that you could not pay. And this was before you asked for it, everybody. That is what Jesus has done. So while yet you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. What does that mean for us? It means you don't have to hold up your good deeds and say, God, please love me. Jesus, I've followed all the rules. Jesus, I read my Bible every week with the Romans reading plan. I'm doing it, God. He says, listen, put that down. Put it down. Because while yet you were still a sinner, I died for you. So you know what that means? Even before you loved him, he loved you. In the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of your sin, you know the posture that the king has towards you is I love you. I am for you, and I sent my son to die on a cross to win you back from sin and the slavery of sin. See, we can't earn grace. We can only receive it. And everybody, that is freeing. We can only, earn, we can only receive this grace that God offers to us. Verse number nine. Since we have now been justified by his blood... How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? This is a fancy word called atonement, that Jesus Christ's life lived perfectly and his perfect death on the cross and his resurrection over grave has paid the debt that we owed. He has atoned for our sins. 
For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Worship is a fitting response to being justified. When you come into this place and you see people who just seem to be lost as we are singing and just to be lost in it with hands raised, eyes closed, know the reason why they're in that moment is because they recognize the price that was paid for them. But let me not dare try to dwindle down worship to just how we respond in song. Worship is the way you live your life from this point on. The reason you love your spouse, the reason you love the kids, the reason you love those who don't love you back is you have been loved in that way and you can't help but respond to the price that was paid for you by living like the king lives. Worship is a fitting response because you recognize what the king has done on your behalf. It's kind of like this. Um, In school, there was always the smart kid. Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? You might have even been the smart kid. Thank you for being smart. Bless you. Um, Think about this. Think that the smart kid in your class takes the test, and they do what all the smart kids always do. They they do really, really well on it. But on this particular day, what the smart kid has done, you get to take credit for it. So even though you didn't earn it, even though it's not your place, you get the grade that the smart kid has earned and sealed. You probably would have an attitude of thanks, wouldn't you? Because, man, the smart kid did something that you couldn't do. Jesus is the ultimate smart kid, everybody. He did something that you were unable to do, and he did it willingly, and he gives it open-handedly to you if you so choose to taste and to drink from it. Romans verse number 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Sin is the reason that we need to be justified. And we know that sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, and so Adam is a picture of us all. And I know what you're thinking if you're anything like me. I have this conversations with the Lord and with Adam. It kind of goes like this. Wait till I get to heaven. I'm going to have some words with Adam. Now, ladies, I know y'all have had that conversation. Like, wait till I get to heaven. I am chopping Eve in the throat. Childbirth being this painful. What's wrong with you, girl? And I've thought about that conversation when I get to heaven and I'm going to find Adam. And I, and I can see it now. I can see me going up to Adam and being like, Adam, really? Really? You had all the other trees to eat from, but you're going to eat from that one tree. What is wrong with you, Adam? You know, I'm very justified and very much with an attitude because he failed and it is documented in Scripture. And you know what Adam can say back to me? You would do it too, Nick. I don't like you, Adam. But it is true, everybody. You might go, Nick, I don't know if it's true because, you know, if I was there and everything was perfect and recognized what God had done for me and recognized the price that was paid for me, I would always choose the Lord. Do you do that today? 
Because I don't. And it's easy for me to point the finger at Adam and be like, Adam, you failed. But like, as I look in that mirror, I see someone who does the same thing. If I was in the garden, I would have pulled a chair up to the buffet of the tree that I should not eat from and eat until I was full. Y'all, oh, it's so good. Snake, pass another one, right? <laughs> Just make myself giggle. Oh. But sin is the reason that we need to be justified. Verse number 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace in the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Jesus represents you and I. Him being just allows us to be justified. Let's keep going. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, of the gift of righteousness, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? I love how J.D. Greer kind of summarizes this. He says this. We were condemned through the actions of a representative who did what any of us in his situation would have done. But now we're saved through a representative who did what none of us could have done. And he goes on to say this. By the way, this idea of a representative acting on behalf of the people is alluded to all through the Old Testament. In the sacrificial system, it was a representative lamb who died on behalf of the people. In the story of David and Goliath, David defeats Goliath all by himself as Israel's representative as they stood terrified on the sidelines just watching. All these point to the ultimate representative who would win the ultimate battle for us. Verse 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Through what Jesus has done and his completed work on the cross and his reigning and ruling over death and sin, we have been invited to sit at the table of the king. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we did not earn it, he has still invited each and every one of us to dine at the table. The invitation has been submitted through an old rugged cross. So we have been extended an invitation, but we have to RSVP, everybody. That means you have to accept it. Jesus, being good, offers it to you no matter where you are, no matter what you struggle with. The invitation is offered to you through his completed work on a cross, but you have to say yes to it because he is not going to force it upon you. He will offer it to you and offer it to you, but you have to be willing to RSVP and say, I accept the invitation. Verse number 20. The law was brought in. 
so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That would be a good thing to highlight or underline. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through Jesus' completed work, he has made you just and has justified you. So that makes the question kind of arise. So what do we do with this justification? So now what? So based on what Jesus has done, what do we do now? Well, it's time for us to start operating by new math. Here's what I mean by that. See, old math is this. We have this thought that if I do enough good things, if I'm good enough, if I can earn it, then I will have all I need to have, and then maybe, just maybe, I will become the very thing that I want to become. If I do enough, then I'll eventually have it, then I will finally become. And we all know that that math is broken. It doesn't work. Why? Because we can never do enough good to pay the debt that we owe. But now, because of Jesus, we get to operate by new math. New math is this. You are because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross and his sacrifice and his resurrection, you have become all that you have hoped that you could be, but Jesus paid the price so that you could be all that he has called you to be. And because he paid the price, you have a new identity in him that's not rooted in your good works, that's not rooted in your good behavior, but it's rooted in an empty tomb that he made empty so that he could win you back. And so because you are, now you have everything that you could ever hope to have. And because now you have everything because you are who God says you are, now we go out of this place and we walk differently and live differently because we are something new. We walk from grace. We don't walk to try to earn grace. We walk from it because it's built on the firm foundation of Jesus, everybody. That's what it means to operate with new math. Jesus flipped the script and changed everything. So now we as a people can walk in a new manner and with a new identity and with a new name. Let me give you this example. This is me. I chase after my own ways, I do my own thing, and, you know, I'm, I'm not enough in and of myself. And let's say my tablet represents Jesus, and it says, when I accept my invitation to sit at the table, I am now in Christ Jesus through his completed work on the cross. And so wherever I go, now I am covered in the righteousness, I'm covered in the blood, I am made like Christ because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. So now when I walk around, I am something different. I am just. And so know this, when you say yes to Jesus, you're not just a better version of yourself, you're a new version of yourself. We get to go back to what was intended in the beginning because you are in Christ. So you walk around and wherever you go, you are in Christ. So you don't parent the way you used to parent. You're not an employee the way you used to be an employee. Why? Because you are in Christ. You know what that means? You're not just who you used to be, but now you are just. 
You're not just a mom. You're not just a dad, but now you are a just mom and you're a just dad. You're not just a sinner saved by grace, but no, you are just and grace has changed you and redefined you and made you new. So wherever you go, you are just. It is not a journey that you're trying to run towards, but it's a position that you walk from. You are just. When you are in right relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you are as he was because he paid the price on your behalf. You can keep picking up lesser things all you want to, but based on what I just read in Scripture, it says that if I'm in Christ, I'm just. And so now I get the opportunity to walk that out each and every day. You're not just, but you are just. Bow your heads for me. Maybe you're sitting in this place today. You've heard about this grace, but you've been on a journey trying to earn it. You may have thought that this invitation was for everybody except for you. I'm here to remind you in this place on this day that the invitation is for you even before you knew it was for you. And maybe today is the day where you need to say yes to the invitation from the king who has paid the debt you could not pay and has offered you a seat at his table and for you to become new. And you can do that right here and right now, right where you are sitting. If you could say something like this to Jesus, just between you and him, dear Jesus, I don't understand it all, but nobody does. But in the best way I know how, I say yes to the perfect life you live. I say yes to the mission that your heavenly father sent you on. I say yes to the fact that when you died on the cross, you paid for all my sins and all my debts that I did commit, am committing, and will ever commit. I say yes to the fact that you got up three days later and you have overcome sin and death. And because you have overcome sin and death, you have invited me through your completed work to overcome sin and death as well. So I say yes to you. And if right here and right now, right where you are in your seat, if you said that to Jesus on the authority of God's word, it says you will be with him forever. And you get to be with him today. And you get to be with him tomorrow because it says he put his very spirit within you. Or maybe you're sitting in this place and you have heard that and you said yes to Jesus, but yet your life does not reflect his completed work on the cross. Maybe today is the day. Or you walk in that. And hear me. You can come just as you are to become just as he has called you to be. And my prayer for us is that we will say yes to this king and that we will be just. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.